You didn't like Benedict Cumberbatch and his fake-ass South Boston accent? Why was he here? Hey, oh, I love that don't accent. Know. No, he was totally wasted. Can we stuff. just get like Jeremy Renner to play this? Apparently, the guy who is played by uh, Jesse Plemons, mm-hmm. uh, Meth Damon. <laughs> this is just one of the most pointless movies I think I've ever seen in my entire life. This That's is a, a case strong of statement. You've of... seen a lot of movies. <laughs> well, just like. Walking like a normal person through a, a hospital cafeteria, and then he just is like, rah, rah! <laughs> and he just walks out calmly. Yeah. The problem with that scene is that I actually sided with Whitey Bulger because, like, who says that about their child? It's one thing to like, I just, I'm never, I don't know. This is one of the most bizarre scenes ever. This is the mother that was originally opposed to Whitey's, and like, oh, we don't teach children that. And then she's also the one that's like, I'll go pull that goddamn life support machine myself. Ain't no son of mine gonna be taken out of here alive. <laughs> that's how it. That's how it comes across. Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, man. there is. An infallible way. They won. Well, it's a casino. People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot? Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. See if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain. Sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an accent. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it. It gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. What happened? Did your your balls drop off? Hello again, guys, and welcome into episode 32 of Film Tank. Wow. My... Wow. Why are we doing Owen Wilson? Because it's 32. Wow. Is there like a 32 Owen Wilson? No, I was just excited. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, this is episode 32. Off to another raging start here. Uh, episode 32. Uh, and on this episode... Is this episode 32? <laughs> is it 32? I'm just good start. Good stuff. Good things. Good things. <laughs> On this episode, we're going to be talking about the Whitey Bulger movie. That's right. Black Mass. Oh, that's the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been calling it the Whitey Bulger story for the past week now. Yeah, I didn't want to like correct you, but I just didn't know what you were talking about. No, I mean, I know what it's called. I just keep calling it that because I just think Black Mass is a really stupid title. It is. Yeah. It's fine. And it just that. sets me up for the joke of how far this movie is from being a Black Masterpiece. Oh. <laughs> Do you really think that, though? Oh, I do. Okay. 
Did I mention that we're talking about Black Mass? <laughs> you did. Episode? You mentioned okay. it was episode 32. I did mention we're that talking like about five times. Yeah. Black Mass. I mentioned that before and that, that you do not think it uh, should be called Black Mass because it's a stupid title. I, yeah, that's what I think. Okay. Before we talk about Black Mass or the uh, the Whitey Bulger story, whatever you want to call this film. Uh, shit. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. Nick. You gotta wait until we get to the I end. Know. Yeah, we okay. haven't even gotten to that Spoiler segment alert. yet. All right. Well, I just wanted to tease people, you know. Yeah, tease well, like, is good. <laughs> so maybe I should have said a piece of, and then be like, "What am I gonna say? Stay tuned." I guess that's more of a tease. I guess that that's not. That's really just a you saying what you think and then that's, not saying the one word. That's true. Yeah. All right. So what are we doing first? First, we're going to talk about the uh, the man who's leading the ship, who is the captain of the ship in Black. What? I just I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you are you making a Pirates of the Caribbean yes, reference right now? Yeah. Oh my okay. god. Sorry. When you said captain, I was just thinking like I am the captain now, and yeah, I'm just well, my, my mind's all over the place. I hate now. to say this, but Johnny Depp has made a kind of a career out of being Captain Jack no, Sparrow. He, he what about Gilbert Grape? What about him? Yeah, what, what about, about him? him? Well, I mean, what's eating him? You know? Yeah, what's eating him? I mean, he, just because he's a man named Grape doesn't mean he deserves to be eaten. Yeah. He can transcend <laughs> that. Okay. So anyways, <laughs> Johnny Depp, uh, captain of the ship in Black Mass. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't take you seriously when you no. call him captain of the ship. No? Why not? Because I feel like that's the kind of thing that Johnny Depp would order other people around him to say <laughs> about this, him. This small little yeah. man cosplaying like as any, a pirate you know, going to children's Any hospitals. one of his like managers or like you know even in, like his gardeners, like they just literally call him captain. Captain Jack maybe even. The people because, who take care of his pets. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just like I imagine that he's got somebody like in Django Unchained, uh, whatever, Calvin Candy's assistant, you know, like, oh, he's a bit of a Francophile, but he doesn't and speak it like I just feel like Johnny Depp has one of those kind of people that just walks around with him and says, "Okay, but we call him Captain Jack." Okay, this is kind of going with the theme of what we're talking about, though, because the question I was going to ask both of you guys: Yeah, uh, do you think that Johnny Depp is still technically <laughs> a really good to great actor, and he's only made bad career choices in terms of some of the roles he's selected lately, or do you think? Actually, as a actor, his talent has fallen off, and he can no longer really give great performances. In terms of uh, choosing bad roles, I think that for a long stretch, he's just kind of like tied himself to the barbell that is Tim Burton decided to just walk into the Mariana Trench of of bad roles, and he's finally like trying to climb his way out. So I think he's still capable of doing that. I just haven't been interested in a johnny depp film i mean his name obviously still pulls like audiences but i just don't not this weekend it didn't it didn't oh okay well fuck (laughs) i guess not well since 2009 which he was uh, playing john dillinger in public enemies which was kind of a some people liked it some people weren't Mm -hmm. crazy about it but since then alice in wonderland which was a really big hit but i wasn't crazy about his role in that the tourist with angelina jolie rango Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, The Rum Diary, which nobody saw. Uh, let's see. 21 Jump Street had a small role in that. Dark Shadows, The Lone Ranger. Fuck that. Transcendence, Into the Woods, and Mordecai. I know that Nick loved Transcendence. 
absolutely loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was... Especially that part where he and Rebecca Hall turned into dandelions. I know you were a definite um, <laughs> fan of that part. If, if you can't can't tell, listener, like Nick is just beating his fist into the table and just looking so defeated and pissed off. I'm just not even going to comment. Because just... <laughs> then that would take over the entire episode. Yeah. Mm. I will say, if you want my answer, um, first of all, for me, there are two types of acting. There is the kind of acting that Johnny Depp does, which I like to call literally acting. Like, you know, it's the kind of acting you see on the stage more so than that. Okay. Uh, and then there's the other kind of acting, which, in my opinion, is something like what like Oscar Isaac does, uh, which is more chameleon-like and actually tries to portray, you know, human traits and not just the... Uh, moments and you know whatever so uh, when i say that i do believe that johnny depp is still a good actor i think it's a it's only a, the one category that he's good at and and b uh but no I, I haven't seen him in anything that's remotely interesting so apparently he has no interest whatsoever uh within the past decade uh of being in anything that's remotely worthy of his uh I would say of his caliber of what he can do and whatnot, because I do think he's actually a great actor, and I thought that he was pretty good in what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. But once again, this is another example of like just choosing a role simply because it looks good on paper. And I don't remember the last time. This was probably the first time that I was not annoyed by a Johnny Depp performance. <laughs> that's, so that's good. That's a good thing. That's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But it's still no different than... Um, than most of the other shit that he's done. I mean, in the past, I just, I don't understand. I, not that I don't understand, actually. It's obviously this is what he wants to do, and that's yeah. totally fine. Because that's the thing. Because he is Johnny Depp, he has all these choices. So, really, it's just a matter of apparently this is this is what he wants to do. And if that's, that's what it is, then that's fine. I just have no interest in seeing it whatsoever. There seems to be a clear shift when he started the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and the films he's been doing since then as opposed to what he was doing before the pirates of the caribbean movies uh we we see some films that i think he's made some good choices i really do like sweeney todd i think that's a good film and i enjoy him in it and i also do like public enemies and i think he did a good job playing his character in that film even if some people don't necessarily think it's the most entertaining film ever. I haven't even seen Sweetie Todd, actually, so I'm not even including that one in any of the ones that I haven't liked recently. But that's a good example of something that's made for him, which is like Broadway musical mode, you know, mm-hmm. what I mean? because there, that kind of acting is what you need in those kind of situations. But if you look at all the other movies besides that or something like Into the Woods, but he really wasn't really a character in that. Um, he, he he's in that same mode, but he's in you know Tim Burton's like I don't know, whatever uh, fantasy land and yeah. whatnot, and so therefore it just blends in and it's really boring. I but, think that yeah. building off of your definition, Nick, of these two different modes of acting that Johnny Depp has been in this acting kind of like phase that excuse me, what was it called? Acting. There we go. <laughs> acting. Um, he seems to just constantly like pick roles and act in such a way that he has to be the center of attention even when the camera is not on him and i kind of find that fucking annoying yeah in a way he's he's like the much dumber version of like meryl streep because (laughs) meryl streep is kind of another uh an actor who i just like hams it up 
yeah, like hams it up or whatever, but I don't get annoyed by her. Like she kind of, I'm just me personally, like Johnny Depp, like when I watch his performance goes out of his ways to choose projects that like slap me in the face with how obnoxious it is. Whereas Meryl Streep, I think is truly take it or leave it kind of, uh, quote unquote acting. Um, so I do think he is a, whoever his agent is. I mean, yes, he's making money. So if that's mm-hmm. his only goal, then look sure. at my range, my range, <laughs> that that's his only goal. Then yeah, he's, he's earned it. And that's great. If that's what you to do but if if it's nowhere near i mean there's a reason why somebody like meryl streep who i'm not even that big a fan of at all uh is winning so many oscars and he's not despite the fact that he has such a huge i would say presence and like you know recognizable uh stature and acting itself so i'd like to see johnny depp in more supporting roles i would like to see that i'd like to see him in more roles like black mass specifically even if i'd don't love what he's doing in it like Mm -hmm. i just like him to stop hiding behind makeup and other things and just try to you know pretend to be a real person again i don't know you say you want him to not hide behind makeup but he was like done up with makeup in black mass so he what like he had his hair dyed blonde no i'm saying like i wanted to keep going like further into that realm like this is closer you know he doesn't look like the mad hatter in this movie (laughs) he's recognizably human Mm -hmm. but i'm saying i wanted to keep going and try to give me something else like you know like okay great it's called baby steps you know i don't think he's capable of being like just back to what i said before i don't think he's capable of being a true supporting actor even when he is a supporting like role like in alice in wonderland he has to be the loudest and most garish thing on the fucking screen when he's there he can't just like play in service to another person lead that's why i gotta admit and this is alex you're gonna hate me for this but i enjoyed his little one-off in uh into the woods because he literally got to come in be a pedophile and then just leave <laughs> like that was like the most best use of johnny depp in like <laughs> the past 10 years because it actually used his creepiness and then completely discarded of it within like a five minute time frame <laughs> so um but yeah, no. So I, I'm, I would totally love to see more Johnny Depp movies if Johnny Depp, I would say, continues this black mess trend and follows this to what I would hope is a more natural conclusion. Now, if it's just a detour, then fine. But then I'm not, I'm not interested. We've seen so many caricatures of Johnny Depp, even though Transcendence, he really wasn't playing a caricature. Not not like a character that I've seen in... He wasn't really playing a character. Well, but you know what I mean. He yeah. wasn't playing the Mad Hatter. He wasn't playing... No. Uh, he wasn't playing Charlie in the Chocolate he Factory. He was just playing a computer. Yeah, well... He was <laughs> the A computer that still loved his wife. Did he really, though? I don't even know. Care to comment? Nope. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to the actual film review, talking about uh, Black Mass. What? You marinate the steak and because it's out of this world, you're killing me with no, no. It's a family secret. Huh? Come on, you gotta tell me that. What's the secret? Come on, you could do it. <laughs> that is one of the best goddamn steaks I ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Ever. What's the what's the what's the fam- what's the family secret recipe? It's gr- it's ground garlic. A little bit of soy. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I thought it was a family secret. <laughs> it's a recipe. No. No. You said to me this is a family secret. 
and you gave it up to me, boom. Just like that. You spill the secret family recipe today. Maybe you spill a little something about me tomorrow. Hmm? I was just saying that... You were just saying. Just saying gets people sent away. Just saying. Got me a nine-year stretch in Alcatraz. You understand? So, just saying... Could get you buried real quick. <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> This film came out uh, just uh, last weekend, and it stars Johnny Depp, as we've mentioned, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dakota Johnson, Joel Edgerton, Kevin Bacon, Peter Sarsgaard, Jesse Plemons, Rory Cochran, believe it or not, I didn't even know he was going to be in this, David Harbour, Adam Scott, Corey Stoll, Julianne Nicholson, W. Earl Brown, and some other people, a lot of names in this film. Scott Cooper directed this film. Uh, you would know him from directing Crazy Heart, which won Jeff Bridges an Oscar back in 2010. Also, he directed Out of the Furnace with Christian Bale a couple years ago. Uh, that was not the best movie ever. Hmm. So the story of Black Mass follows the true story of Whitey Bulger, the brother of state senator, and the most infamous violent criminal in the history of South Boston. He became an FBI informant to take down a mafia family who was invading Wait. his turf. This is, I, 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 every week, I just read what the IMDb I know, official I know. synopsis but I, gives us. I feel us. like I really want to break that down right now because you just <laughs> said something that if this is supposed to be based on a true story, I feel like it's factually wrong based on how this movie portrayed it. So he's supposed to be the what? The most infamous, what, violent? criminal in south Boston. is that what it says that's what the, that that is oh, what, yeah that is what warner brothers I gotcha. gave to the okay. internet movie database. i mean i definitely didn't see that movie but i was just curious <laughs> okay so let's start off i guess just uh starting off with this film as a whole and in, in giving general opinions and then we can talk some more about it but um i, I guess i should start us off because i like gangster I say, films you the most gangster films. i uh, out of all of us i think i'm like gangster films the most it's one of my favorite genres yeah. um out of all of us you've probably seen the most and probably have the most occulture taste for gangster films i think we could probably say that yeah i love that line from casino when they're asking him about being the boss he's like trying to dance around he's like <laughs> You could say that I'm the boss when uh, he's not around. You could say that. Love that. Sorry. A little bit of a tangent there. But anyways, this is my genre. This is the kind of film that I like seeing. Right. And I enjoy the film in parts. Uh, the entire package, though, I really feel just did not work. Here, let me just start off by saying the beginning of this film is so confusing for where it ends up. Because we start the film with Jesse Plemons giving this interview, making AKA it seem Method like Damon. making yeah, making it seem like he is going to be the perspective we're getting for the entire film, and basically we never see him again after the first ten minutes of the movie, which was kind of bizarre. You mean we never see him again in that timeline? In terms of the context oh, of yeah, where yeah. he's telling the yeah, story yeah. and 
we get the beginning of it. Because it hands off to every. It's like a relay race. Which is okay, but in terms of thematically, it really just didn't make sense to me. Oh, no, no, for sure. Because uh, I feel like at the beginning of the film, I almost viewed him as like a, a Henry Hill character. Like, he'll be a major player in this film, but he's not the reason you're going to see the movie. You're going to see the movie to see Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro, but you're also getting Ray Liotta. That isn't what happens with him at all. He kind of gets sidelined, and that really was bizarre to me. Another quick point I wanted to mention is that Brett Ratner was involved with this somehow, so that's not a good start. (laughs) Um, Other things I wanted to mention about this film overall is that I really enjoyed the actors who played the characters. I feel like the casting director did a wonderful job casting Joel Edgerton, casting Johnny Depp. Um, even we look at the smaller characters like Jesse Plemons. I think they made great choices and I just feel like the entire story for some reason just felt incomplete to me. It felt like we're telling this story. There's really no beginning, middle and end to it. We're, we're trying to tell a biopic, but we're also trying to tell a narrative. I, I just could not get on board with what this film was trying to do as a whole, and that made it seem like an odd choice as a movie entirety. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know why that happened. I feel like this was just a bizarre film that they wanted to make a movie about Whitey Bulger. The money was there. The people were there, and it happened. But I feel like uh, they just didn't have the best script uh, when it came down to it, and I feel like it could have been done better. That being said, though, I liked a lot of the scenes in this film. I feel like if these scenes could have been tied together better, it would have been a much better film. But a lot of great individual scenes, um, although some of them... like I'll say this, though. Some of the best parts of any gangster film, at least for me, mm-hmm. is a scene where action actually happens, where someone gets killed... And the best part of a lot of great gangster movies are you don't necessarily know when that's going to happen. Where I feel like this film, the music started playing that song, and you're like, oh, they're going to kill that prostitute now. And they always did kill that person who was in that scene. It happened like three or four times. I knew the prostitute was going to die, not because of the music, but just because of how... Like, can we talk about that scene for a sec? Well, I I just want to really just quit it, and we'll go to that. But I I really just want to say... Shut up, Tucson. Sorry. Okay. Just kidding. Yeah. Why, why, why did it have to be so obvious? Well, that's the, things were happening. The, I, I just wanted I wanted the film to have a better script. I guess. Why did this basic movie have to be so basic? Why? I agree. Yeah. Go ahead, Tucson. Um, I I didn't know that this was supposed to be a biopic going into the film. Like I just saw like a trailer for it, and I was like, okay, Johnny Depp's gonna be like some weird looking gangster, and I learned. <laughs> Over the course of the film, that this is supposed to be like documenting something real, so I actually like went after after the fact to like research it. And apparently, the guy who is played by uh, Jesse Plemons, Meth uh, mm-hmm. Damon, uh, <laughs> Kevin Weeks, yeah, um, turns out he hates this film because he says that it's not accurate to life. Like, well, of course it's not accurate to life. It's a it's biopic. A it's not a documentary. Even a documentary is spurious at that. Like, um, this this film, I thought this film was okay. I thought it, I thought it was very much okay in that it didn't do anything for me that I felt like set it apart from its contemporaries. I thought it was just a very basic crime story, and honestly, I I I, I agree agree with you, Alex, that I don't feel like 
anything really happened in this film. I felt like the the main character, the the actual centerpiece character, like of of Whitey Bulger, like he st- he remains static for this entire film. Like he starts off as a psychotic asshole and he ends as a psychotic asshole. The only person that I thought actually like the main character was who who had an arc was Joel Egerton as John Connolly as the the FBI guy who was trying to use Bulger in order to like reposition himself and like gain notoriety within his own own uh, within his own squad. Even I thought his character was a little weak. I, yeah. I, I feel like I wanted if if I, we need to pick characters that we want to delve into more and I feel like this is thing we've seen in a lot of television shows recently and films too where we want to focus on all these different characters and then other people who really should get more time get left out. You know, Boardwalk Empire was famous for doing this, which is a gangster show. So, yeah. And um, HBO has also done this with other of their shows. But we have so many characters that show up, and then you'll go weeks without seeing them after they were the main character for three straight episodes. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes when you're in a two-hour-long movie, I was say, it it's... feels odd. Yeah, no, this was sprawling in all the bad, all the worst ways. Mm-hmm. Um, should I dive into my general opinion? Go ahead, Nick. Uh, I thought this was awful. The more I think oh, about okay. it, the more I'm just, <laughs> this is just one of the most pointless movies I think I've ever seen in my entire life. This is a, this is a, a case of... statement. You've seen of, a lot of movies. <laughs> well, this is a case of filmmakers uh, seeing the phrase based on a true story and then being illiterate because they thought it said based on a good story <laughs> because there's just nothing <laughs> here that is actually worth telling. And that's, it says a lot that the, the, um, what is it? Toward the, not toward, but at the end of the movie, when we have the, uh, the very, you know, typical, uh, what do you call it? I'm I don't going, know what you're talking about, so I you can't, know, can't help you. God, what's Describe the word, it to me. With what's words. the word for, no, the word for like the, um, the bylines of like this. Of, happened of to, what happened to yeah, these yeah, people. Yeah. But there's a word the for The recap. Them. Or yeah, yeah, like the whatever, whatever the word is. I'm blanking. But they did on. an Argo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this says a lot that um, when we got to the moment when the credits started flashing up, so and so did this, so and so did this, whatever. But that was actually the most efficient it ever got with the storytelling because Damn. up until that point, this was just lacked all inertia that any story should actually have. There is no reason why any of these scenes go from one to another. And what you were mentioning earlier is one of the worst parts of the movie, Alex, which is this framing device where you have... yeah, so first it starts off with Jesse Plemons' character. Then we find out that it's just going to hand it off from one criminal to another for no real reason. Because they're building a case against us. <laughs> yeah, but no. it's What happened is... <laughs> yeah, but you no. can't do that when you're in a two-hour film. It right. just doesn't work. There's, and there's just no reason for it. And It's one of those things where that's where you know you have a horrible movie because they realize <laughs> that the story wasn't worth telling, so they had to have the actors try to tell it themselves. When that's, you say that, I think of how that same way of... Of having an immediate res, like somebody like recalling like events into a into a video camera or to a, a deposition or something like that. How it worked in like a show like True Detective, yeah. and like you have like these two different characters. Like if you're going to have this person like recollecting all these different things, then you have to have them as a principal character. But the reason why it worked in something like season one of True Detective, which is something I don't even like, mm-hmm. um, is the fact that you had a two interesting characters. Yeah. And B, two, 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 just two, but even so, you had two interesting characters, and B, we we knew that this was, 
you know, heading somewhere as far as there was not one indication from any of these uh, constructing framework scenes of any of these criminals testifying or whatever. You ever see them do bad shit? Like, yeah, do some bad they were shit. literally telling us something that we haven't we already know without even seeing the movie. So that's what the worst part of it was um, that this movie is a horrible problem when it comes to figuring out who's the most interesting character. It's called Black Mass, not the Whitey Bulger story, but it might as well be called the Whitey Bulger story because apparently that's the only character that this movie actually cares about, which is a shame because he's also the most boring character in the entire movie. Not saying it's the worst performance per se, but I'm, I was way more interested in John Connolly's uh, arc, whatever much of an arc that he did have, because I, I was slightly drawn in by this fixation that uh, you know Joe Egerton was bringing to this uh, relationship he had with, uh, with Whitey Bulger himself. But then, even if you... T- pull that apart at the seams that relationship also makes no sense because like it goes from like one thing to another as to what his motivations would be to like you know be in cahoots with uh whitey bulger in a way that doesn't suggest that the man is like solely like going crazy or something like complex it just suggests that the story like the the scriptwriter themselves had no idea why this happened because it starts off as like oh he just wants him for personal gain in his own workforce then it's like oh he just kind of gets some benefits like money from it and then it's like oh you know and it just keeps shifting it it's so horrible i i for some reason kept thinking and obviously it's a very different film and a very actually a much better film i i don't know why i just kept thinking I was thinking of Joel Edgerton's character. I could not stop thinking of Mark Whitaker in The Informant, <laughs> where he keeps giving Mark. <laughs> oh, man. That is, that is a good, actually. That's a perfect example. But he keeps giving these answers, but he really has... But at least he has like a point to why he's doing oh, this, yeah. where there's really no benefit for Joel Edgerton's character. Right. Well, that's but the al- thing. Al- also, it also doesn't help that... It also doesn't... It doesn't say anything good about the other people in the Federal Bureau of Investigation because every single person in this film, even though like Kevin Bacon's character isn't truly sure to believe it, but everyone's pretty much eating up this bullshit for like a 20-year span yeah. for this film. And I love how easy it was for them when they finally figured it out. They're like, oh, so guess what? Every report that he has ever turned in was literally copy-pasted from all of these other reports that all the other criminal informants ever turned in. It's kind of like no one's ever double-checked that. I mean, yeah, what, I like, mean, I know it's based on a true story, so I'm not trying to, like, poke plot holes, but the movie so never— So the informant. Yeah, <laughs> but the movie never successfully, uh, I would say, sets up to how this could you that's know, happen. That's a massive failure failure of, of bureaucracy. Right, and that's the thing is what you have here, in my opinion, is an interesting story on like on a, on the surface level, and, that, and that's as far as the director was willing to take it because he didn't actually you know figure out why he should tell this story, how he should tell this story. Um, the only thing he did figure out, as you mentioned, Alex, and I'm sure Tucson, you agree, is that you know who should tell the story as far as the actor. Because I do agree that these poor performances are very well, I would say, pretty much across the board, even if it was a character that I thought was awful or something like that. I think this would have, at least in the format that they decided to present it, I think this would have worked way better as like an eight-episode miniseries for HBO or something like that. I mean, I wouldn't trust it with these people on board, unfortunately, because I don't think that... But in terms of the format and the kind of story they had to tell, I feel like telling, like trying to tell a different from a different perspective... When you're trying to shove it into a movie, and also you, you really don't give that format 
out but until later on. It's not it's just weird. shoving it into a movie, because what I mostly have offense to as to what this movie does wrong is the proportion of how much time we spend with Whitey Bulger compared to everybody else. Every time we kept checking him back in with John Connolly, it felt so obligatory, even though it was way more interesting than what was happening with Whitey Bulger. So I feel like if it did, if these people, the scriptwriter, Scott Cooper, the director, you know, did elongate this material somehow, they would still make the same mistakes over again. We would just have like five or six out of the eight episodes dedicated to Whitey Bulger, the most least interesting character in this movie, in my opinion, and then still only have like two episodes worth of like John Connolly's material because it just never once latched on to the fact that there was a way, way more interesting... And something we haven't really seen before in quite that way. The worst part, and I think the cardinal sin of this movie also, is that I wouldn't say that it's unoriginal, but it it literally cycles through every single trope I've ever seen in (laughs) every gangster film I've ever seen. It's basic. Exactly, it's basic. I'm talking everything from slow motion handcuff musical montage. I'm talking the... uh, you know, a character saying, all right, but you got to do something for me in return. I'm talking like uh, the assassination that happened with no Say, dialogue. Well, I'm, well, I'm talking about the people that are led to their own death, even though they think that the other person's getting capped. I'm talking, and I can literally go on and yeah, on. Yeah, even, even, uh, even Whitey qualifying it as an alliance, as he's not a rat, yeah. kind of coming off as Jack Nicholson in The Departed, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. It's just literally nothing in this film needed to be said, and... Um, and if there was something to be said, you know, from this film, they completely missed the point, in my opinion, because uh, there were there were a few interesting ideas, but other than that, they 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 clearly had no interest in exploring them. That's the worst part is that they favored what was boring and pointless about this film over what actually would have made this interesting. People were playing characters on a screen for two hours, and much to what Nick Nick was talking about, the most effective means of storytelling was the recap at the end that was told through text. That's pretty damning. But uh, it, even that alone was like, you could, you only do something like that if you somehow successfully built up enough like care for these who characters. Who the fuck are these people? Well, oh, that who, guy? But it's like, why do I care what happened to him? Like they, They're not a character. Like They were barely in the movie. They were in it for five seconds. The only character who I would say was actually done well and effect, worked out effectively was Rory Cochran's character, who is pretty much Whitey's right-hand man, um, and he's sort of minimalized throughout the film. But I feel like that worked See out. The one in the that scene. had sex with his daughter. He, well, yeah, his his, his daughter-in-law. His yeah, his, his pardon right. me, his stepdaughter. Yeah. Doesn't who, make it okay. Well, well, she was a prostitute, so it kind of does. Oh no, my God, <laughs> stop. So, anyways, she ends up getting strangled to death by Whitey. After and he has to watch, and I think that was one of the better parts of the film was Whitey struggling and strangling her, and we have the we have the kind of slow uh, zoom into him, and you can disagree with me, yeah. which is totally fine. I just but thought that I, was yeah, oh, sorry. No, I I just enjoy that scene, and I enjoyed how his character changed from before that scene to after it, and you kind of see the look on his face when he's giving his interviews earlier and he's making the same kind of look that he's making later. So that worked out for me 
personally, um, but a lot of other things with the other characters did not. You didn't like Benedict Cumberbatch and his fake-ass South Boston accent? Why was he here? Hey, oh, I love that don't accent. Know. No, he was totally wasting Can we stone. just get like Jeremy Renner to play this? Uh, do we really need Benedict Cumberbatch for this? Apparently. and uh, but the, Okay, having Benedict Cumberbatch, let me say this much. The, the final scene of this movie is hilarious. I love that it just <laughs> ends in the most anticlimactic way, but not in a in a way that's thematically relevant or anything like that. It's not like it seems purposely anticlimactic. It's this phone call between him and his brother, even though they shared maybe four scenes together in the entire movie. But they're brothers. And yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, them just hanging up, and then he just drives away from the gas station. And even, like, the, the, the framing of that scene is awful. Like, not to say that it should get a little more cliched, but, like, the fact that it's not even zoomed out enough to really see him, like, drive off. Like, it's just it's such a narrow-minded movie. It's so fucking awful. I, I'm starting to really hate this. The more, <laughs> the more, more you talk about it. I think about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. That can, we, can we talk about, and I know you, you've just kind of stated that you absolutely hated it, so you may not have any answers for me here. But, Toussaint, in terms of things that you enjoyed about this film... What can you take away from this that you would say you liked? Um, uh oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, just I didn't think there was anything especially spectacular about this film. I thought it was it just it was like a wave that washed over me, and then by the end of the two hours, I was done, and, I, and nothing really stuck with me. Like other than the fact that, like, a, a, as I as I texted you as soon as I got out of the. Uh, the the theater mm-hmm. like Johnny Depp looks like a bleached chameleon with a receding hairline and shark eyes, which I thought was you know that's that's Johnny Depp. Um, I have something I liked about it. The more I think about it, the more I just there's nothing that really stands out. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Um, I actually there's one little like detour that I actually really liked. I loved uh, Peter Skarsgård's character and mm-hmm. those scenes, which was really only like a ten minute stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was another example of a, the film completely missing that it just got rid of its most interesting character. Now, I realize it's based on a true story, so it has to follow, you know, plot conventions and whatnot of what really happened, but that was a perfect example of, like, I don't think they realized that, A, Pete Skarsgård, like, that one, I loved what he was doing in the uh, interrogation room and whatnot, um, and especially just how fast this got out of control for that character. Like, I, I really liked that a lot, uh, if I can praise one thing about the movie. Well, I think there are a lot of performances that I feel like are praiseworthy. Even Johnny Depp, who I feel like this film was a step in the right direction for him in choosing roles because I feel like this is a role that he can take advantage of and not be an over-the-top caricature. Even if he is playing kind of a character in this film, it's more grounded. I guess part of that is because it is somewhat of a, a, a true story. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's. A, I agree in the sense that it's a good performance, but what's a good performance of an awful character? I mean, how you know much credit can you really give to it? For me, and this can totally change as far as, like, who, depending on who you ask, but to me, film is not an actor's medium. Not to say that Actors cannot give good performances, but if I I don't watch films for performances, there's, right. a, there's a lot of other things that I prioritized over that, and I'd rather go see live theater if I want to truly embrace uh, you know somebody giving a performance, so to speak, because at least then there's like kind of an emotional connection of like seeing it and you know appreciating the craft of what's going on right in front of you. But for me. Because that's the only thing this film had to offer was performances. That's pretty much at the bottom of my list of what I like to get out of films. That, that's another reason why I thought this was so bad was because 
everything else seemed to get neglected because they did get this cast. It's kind of like they like they they saw the call sheet and they're like, "All right, everybody, go home. We got this." And it, you know, like, God. Yeah. So I, you know. I thought this film got off to a great start. I thought the first twenty minutes actually were really strong. I thought the triple O's. What? At the uh, Triple O's bar. Yeah, yeah, I like the name of that bar, actually. I was hoping that they sold a T-shirt of that, but I don't think that'll ever happen, oh, no. uh, unfortunately. Johnny Depp, with the first time we see him, I love that first scene, even though it does get a little tropey with other things. I was going to say, it's just the same as far as introduce a guy, he's so menacing, and he's got it all under control type thing. But I enjoyed the sort of the peanuts and that kind of context of that. Of the affectation of one of his lower... Mom, yeah. God. You know, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, That's fine. I still liked it yeah. because I like gangster films, <laughs> and gangster films rarely do things that are groundbreaking. But they can, though. That's the yeah. thing. Why Why can't they? I mean, let's look at something, not that we're going to talk about it, but mm. if you compare it to something like The Sopranos, and that's TV or film, that is one of the most interesting pieces of fiction ever created because of the fact that it doesn't try to simply rest on the laurels of gangster fiction. It, it wants to actually get to like the human nature and human condition of its characters. But so many gangster films have some sort of true story in the background of them. We see so few gangster films that have no sort of backstory, even if it's based on that story with different character names and everything. We see so few gangster films, at least in terms of major Hollywood gangster right, that films, are that are complete completely. fiction. Right, because even something like uh, Goodfellas is obviously based on, what was it, Henry Hill's like testimony, mm-hmm. or like his book or whatever. Yeah. Um, but in that case, you have somebody like Martin Scorsese who knows how to actually tell this kind of story. And the reason why even uh, Goodfellas has a framing structure that's similar to this is because it has a character that's actually worth investing in, and that's going to actually get explored by the end of the movie um, it, and just doesn't hand it off for random reasons. Which is why I thought Jesse Plemons was going to be a much bigger player in this film and yeah. he gets sidelined basically 10 minutes in. I mean, that, that line uh, in Goodfellas, you know, from, from as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. That, mm-hmm. that right there announces that this isn't so much a gangster film as much as it's about a person, you know, a human being who in some ways is pretending to be a gangster, you know. like So that's what... But here we have that framing device, but not for any... You know, reason whatsoever, other than it thinks that it's going to like, I don't know, entice viewers to keep watching. But really, it's just so pointless. There was a scene when um, the Rory Cochran, I think, mm-hmm. when they're asking him the question, I forgot what they asked him. Something like, "Did you ever see him kill somebody?" or something like that. And then he just like stares at the camera. And I feel like they accidentally forgot to yell cut because <laughs> there's just no reason for it whatsoever. We know what he's going to say, and it doesn't matter because at that point in the movie, it's too late, and they haven't actually successfully written such a what should have been like an emotionally like devastating moment. It's just him staring at the camera, and then like the thousand yard stare of like thinking about, "Wow, that guy like choked out my stepdaughter." It just reminded kind of my prostitute girlfriend. Yeah, it reminded me of like Marky Mark in uh, Boogie Nights when he's over at Alfred Molina's house and the camera just stays. That's there. a fun scene. It's a great scene, <laughs> but there it's like, why the fuck is he staring? Here it's like, we know why he's staring, and that's what makes it even more annoying. But yeah, okay. My opinion of this film has just gone down. Ooh, since, uh, and it wasn't that high to begin with, it went mm. from being basic to being absolutely subpar. Okay, um, I guess. I'd give this a rating of 
two and a half out Whoa. of five stars. Yeah, it's, it's pretty high stars. up there. It's kind of middle of the road. Okay. It's kind of middle of the road. It's just like, you know, it, there's nothing There's nothing spectacular. There's nothing especially memorable about this film. Uh, it it functions. It, it moves from beginning, middle, and end. But you, you might be surprised that you can't remember anything from either, but from any of those points. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to make, I guess, a lot of money. Is no, it? it's not. It's not. Well, no. okay then. <laughs> no, yeah. it's going to be an unsuccessful. There was no venture in, in my theater. Well, there were like three people in my theater. So we had a. Good, but... We went on the very opening night, and it was probably about a third full. So. Oh, oh and uh, going back to the name of this film, I was just what? looking it up. Uh, Black Mass, which doesn't make a lot of sense, and it's not really explained very well in the actual like film itself. Um, this film was actually based on a book about Whitey Bulger and it's called Black Mass, The Irish Mob, The FBI and A Devil's Deal. So I guess that's what it's supposed to be referring to and I was just like that never comes through in any of the things. That's another great example of the filmmakers completely not understanding their own source material because they just carry the title over without actually you know, with no uh... context. Yeah. yeah. Did did you read the book? Fuck that man. No. (laughs) I I don't think Scott Cooper is a very good filmmaker. No, he's not. If I wanted to be Honest, I, I feel like in this genre, again, he's getting so much talent to work for. Him. It's I know, really weird. He's the Zack Snyder of the gangster genre. <laughs> Damn. All right, Nick, uh, let's let's hear your rating. I'm, I'm interested to see how low you can go. Uh, uh, this, uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great talk, Nick. Thanks. That's that's my rating. I give it. Uh, yeah. uh, um, I, I I don't know. I. When I walked out of a theater, it was like, if we're just talking numbers here, it was like one and a half out of five. I think, I don't know that I would drop it below that because like I reserve half star and one star for films that personally offend me. And this didn't go out of its way to didn't like... Didn't get into like Chappie's wheelhouse? No, it didn't get into that level of incompetence or <laughs> like Kingsman's, uh, Kingsman's level of like oblivious to its own uh, uh, asinine behavior. Um this was more just in the general ballpark for me of like how I hated Jurassic Park or something or okay. Jurassic World. I mean, uh, as far as it's just so goddamn pointless and boring that I just can't imagine that there's anything to glean from this. Even the performances, which might be good, there's no reason to sit through them. So yeah, this was just awful, and I, <laughs> I, I really, I'm really upset by it because it's just bad. That's all I got to say. Yeah. It's so bad you can't say anything yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, it, that's really. the thing. It's yeah. like it warrants it, – really, I should have just shut up this entire episode because it doesn't warrant me to actually talk about it because it doesn't Wow. Do, I'm just saying. This is a podcast where we talk about movies. I mean, well, you have to talk about it. I had to. That's why I did, but doesn't mm. doesn't mean I was happy about it. <laughs> I, have, I have a hard time thinking about what to feel about this film. <laughs> what to feel. Well – it's my genre. Like it's, it's the films that I generally gravitate towards. I love gangster films, and I really like the decisions that the casting director made for this film. I loved the idea of Johnny Depp playing the main character, even though he's really not the main character throughout the film because there isn't really a main character because we don't know who the characters are because the character development was terrible in this film. I... I feel like I enjoyed a lot of little parts of this film, but the entire package did not work for me really whatsoever. And I just got to say, I 
I felt like it was an okay film, but I don't think anything special here. I, right. I wouldn't go out of your way to see Black Mass. I feel like people will see it when it's on HBO this time next year, and they will be underwhelmed by it then. I've seen a lot of people that really enjoyed this film, and I honestly don't know exactly what they were watching, because I don't think this is better than a mediocre film. Wait for it to come on Netflix like a month from now. and like, A turn month it, from now? I don't it, think so, man. And turn it on <laughs> like late at night and then fall asleep halfway. I could see that. Yeah. It, it just, there's just nothing special here. And I've got to actually drop my initial rating a little bit and go to two and a half out of five. Because okay. this, oh. this is right down the middle. Wait, of, does this go on? No, it doesn't go on the shit list. I think we should. I think we yeah, should. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Fuck I, Whitey Bulger. Two and a, two, two and a <laughs> half. Pull the trigger. Two and a half and God, under. He's really taking a list. beating this week. I mean, you know, first there's a movie that publicizes his arrest and, you know, his downfall. And now he's put on the film tank shit list. That's just <laughs> not good. Yeah. Rough week for the old white. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Two and a half out of, for me uh, for Black Mass. And I I could raise my rating after seeing it again, if I ever see it again, which I wouldn't really count on. But uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it. And uh, Scott Cooper is probably never going to be a good director. More like Scott Pooper. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> you a, laughed at that one. That's I did because it was did. funny because that's your go-to is those Thank kind you. of word plays, which is Thank good. You. It's like my go-to, which is putting pictures in text for our photos <laughs> that we release. <laughs> yeah, maybe our our next uh, top six list, we can find a new trick. <laughs> <laughs> maybe put the text in the pictures this time. You know, whoa, 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 I know, I know. We'll brainstorm. Hey, you know what? We'll have a brainstorming session. We'll we'll see what comes of it. That's right. So yeah, uh, that was our review of Black Mass, and on our next episode, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be fuck go- you, man. We'll be going back to 1988, uh, and we'll be doing our first ever foreign film, yeah, which is the original version of a film called The Vanishing. Uh, Nick brought this idea to us as uh, out of the three of us, I think you're probably the highest on a foreign film, even so. though I've enjoyed foreign film a lot more in recent years. No, I mean, I think I just, I've seen the most out of everybody here. Yeah. Not the averse most. to them, but just like, yeah, yeah. you introduced me to a lot of really good foreign films. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that we may have higher ratings on The Vanishing than we did on Black Mass. I think I think yeah. it'll at least be a interesting discussion. Yeah, I would agree least. on that. And if you would like to uh, hear what we think about The Vanishing, you could listen to episode 33 uh, that will be coming out uh, next week sometime uh, that uh, film was directed by and was it a french director because his name is either Georges Sluzet or it's george sluzer so well, i know it's from another sluzer. and it's george sluzer i thought it was dutch but it was maybe. dutch okay maybe i'll try to i'll try to find out on the pronunciation oh, no, he's french he's french so i know it's like a dutch film as far as what they're speaking for the most part because they're visitors in france it seemed mm-hmm. so anyway but, but likely his name is pronounced george sluzet i then? think so okay so The Vanishing, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's not on Netflix, so it might be somewhat difficult to Hulu come Plus. by. Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus, okay. Because they always have like 99% of the Criterion Collection. Which this film is in. Yep. Uh, and uh, I would suggest, if you haven't seen it and you'd like to uh, enjoy our discussion more, uh, try to uh, find, an, find a copy of it sometime 
as it is uh, definitely a film that I think you'll want to know about before hearing our discussion. I was next just week. about to say, should we pretty much just say up front now, and of course <laughs> at the beginning of the next episode, that is like we're just going to talk about the entire movie from start to finish, from the moment we start talking about it. I would assume, yes, because there's no real way to talk about it without talking about the ending. And well, and we that. we usually do that, but I feel like certain movies I think warrant that kind of warning. Yeah, yeah. We did that one t- time, another time, and I don't remember exactly what film it was. But yeah, this film, if you haven't seen it, you probably won't enjoy uh, listening to the episode because it might ruin some of the uh, some of the film for you if you try to go see it for a first time. So that's going to be episode 33 coming up uh, next week, and uh, we'll look forward to that episode then. If you'd like to find any of our episodes, we're always on Film Tank Show. Dot com. You can always find us on filmtankshow at gmail.com uh, where you can send us uh, any sort of lists you have or any sort of suggestions you have for the future. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback on the show and anything you want to talk about about films or television. Also, uh, if you want to uh, find our episodes on iTunes or Stitcher, we're on there as well at Film Tank Show. And also we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show as well. So from Nick Cheney to Son Egan and myself, Alex Diegman, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Film Tank. We will catch you next time.